in those great days because I wasn't having a fun time. I used to look myself in the mirror at 4 a.m. before I used to go to the factory. And you're saying like, you are going to become a doctor in the United States, no matter what. The International Dentist Podcast. Conversations to motivate and empower dental professionals. With your host, Dr. La Greca. I remember during season one of the International Dentist Podcast, a follower messaged me with a lot of frustration about the cost of education in the U.S., and how it seemed like only people with financial means were able to study in the country and get a license. This got me thinking, as I know this is not entirely true. But how can I show it is possible to start from zero and building opportunities from growing and eventually supporting the financial responsibilities attached to dental schools in the U.S. with a podcast? This is a reality for all dental students in this country, not only internationals. As international dentists, we just have it a little bit harder as we are unable to access to loans unless we have cosigners, and those who are actually able to get loans are private loans with higher interest rates. For those who don't need a visa because they're American citizens, they're able to access to federal loans and future loan forgiveness plans if they're working in public sectors or the military. We must understand that the immigration process is complicated enough on its own to add on the needs of professional licensure. During this interview, you will hear a powerful story of an international dentist who is at the moment completing his USDMD in an advanced standing program for international students. What I found the most powerful about his story is the determination and sacrifices he did to pursue this dream and the personal investment he continues to allocate to ensure he's able to successfully practice in the U.S., being able to pay his loans, and beyond that, never feeling defeated by all the frustrations in the process. He will generously share insights on what worked well in his interview preparation, how he kept connected with dentistry while working at hourly jobs to save enough money to the application process, including creating a YouTube channel to educate other Hispanic dentists on different topics, such as difference between specialties, licensure process in the U.S., and many other dental topics. I know he will do very well in the future, as we need people who can bring this passion to the dental field. For episode 31 of the International Dentist Podcast, Dr. Leo Marquez. Hello, Dr. Marquez. Welcome to the International Dentist Podcast. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Very, very excited to have this conversation with you. I'm very well. Thank you. And I'm going to call you Leo. Absolutely. I just tell to my patients to call me Leo because I feel like more identified by that name. When someone says Dr. Marquez, I am still like, who is this? Oh, I'm Dr. Marquez. <laughs> Well, I guess that's something that in many countries, I don't know if that happens to you, but when I first moved here, I was very awed by the fact that people would call me Dr. Lagreca because in Venezuela, particularly, the patients call you by first name. How is it uh, where you're from? Actually, let's start there. Where are you from and why do you decide to come to the United States? I am from Mexico. Everywhere I go, I tell to people I am the most Mexican person you are going to meet probably this month because I am so proud of my culture and I am so proud of my accent. Probably uh, people is going to start to pick the accent. I am a dentist uh, who graduated in 2015 from uh, University of Guadalajara. And then I came to the States in 2016, almost by a coincidence. Do you want to hear that fun story? Yes, of course. What's a coincidence? So what happened is when I was finishing dental school, my family decided to move here to the United States and we all came together, mom, dad and brother. So unfortunately for me, because I did not have like a good business status, 
I had to pick a decision between either stay here only for six months and then go back to Mexico or try to do something with my life here. So I went to the community college just to try to pick a career. And then it was, it was not what I was expecting because they had like a carpenter and they had like nurse and, you know, those careers. And I never identified myself. So I said, you know what, mom and dad, I am going to go to live in Mexico alone and then I am going to become a doctor. And this is what I did. I just went back to Mexico living alone for like five years. And then I eventually came back after graduation. So how old were you when you first came to the U.S. with your parents? When I came to the U.S., I was 18 years old. And all this happened in many countries in Latin America and in different parts of the world. You can just go to dental school right away. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was a big decision just to go back because I couldn't see my family for four or five years because visa regulations, mm -hmm. because my family decided to stay here and just try to get the green card. And then I was in Mexico living alone. So that was a huge decision. Actually, it was a coincidence that I ended up here in the United States because while they were trying to get the green card, I got mine at the very last semester of the career. So six months before graduation, I got my green card. And I never imagined or I never thought about coming to the United States. So you got it through your family. They were in the process of getting it. Correct. I got the green card through my dad. And then when I came, I had the idea to start to work really, really hard and then get the money back and start into a prosto residency back in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Because what happened is I always identify myself uh, with the prostodontist. And since I was in dental school, I knew I wanted to specialize because I am kind of aware about the knowledge that I was getting. And I knew I couldn't get a really good education only going to dental school, mm -hmm. right? Because I always wanted to pursue more knowledge and I wanted to give to my patients like the best dental care possible. So I was like, mm -mm, I have to go to a specialty. So unfortunately, I didn't have the means to go because I was living alone in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So my plan was just coming here to the States, save some money, like working hard, probably one or two years, and then go back to Mexico and become a prosthodontist. So something happened during that time. I was working in a warehouse. Imagine this, in the middle of Iowa. For the next two years, I am going to forget that I am a doctor. I am going to work in any kind of job. I am going to just save money, be smart with the money and put it into the bank and then send it to Mexico. But what happened is there was a position as a dental assistant. And funny enough, I did not speak any English at all. Nothing. When you first came, you spoke no English at all? No, 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 no. Yeah, because what happened in Mexico is even though we are neighbors with the United States, mm -hmm. You don't learn English if you don't go to a private school. Mm. So all my life I was in public school and then I never thought about coming to the U.S. to move or to pursue a career. And every time that I used to come, it was only like visiting family and they mm. used to take care of me. Like every time we went to the restaurants, even though I always wanted to learn English because I like to sing. I like to watch the movies in English, even though I had to read like the subtitles. Mm -hmm. That was never a possibility. So when I was in Iowa, I was trying to learn English by my own. And I even went back to the college, but the classes were not for me because the classes like English classes mm -hmm. were not for people like me. Those classes were for people who were already in college, not for mm -hmm. someone who was trying to learn. Right. So I started to learn English in YouTube. So when this position opened, it was in the community health center. So 60% of the population there was from Latin America. 
that was a deal for me because I knew they need me because all the staff were English spoken from the area, from Iowa, and they needed someone who can communicate with patients. So I literally told to my brother, hey, write this to me. And I made him write, I can learn English fast. I am a dentist. I know about dentistry. I can communicate with your patients. I learned to say that because mm-hmm. I was reading it, reading it, reading it. And then I got my interview. And then I look in the eyes to the director of the community health center. And I just said the line to her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, and let's see if this works. Of course, I got the job, right? And for mm-hmm. the first six months, it was really difficult for me because every time the doctor and I, we had to spoke to the patient, we meet alone in the room. And he was kind of typing what he wanted to tell mm-hmm. to the patient. And I was like, oh, oh I got it. For example, if the doctor wanted to explain to the patient that he needs root canal treatment, I was like, oh, I am a dentist. Let me explain to the patient about the root canal treatment. I see. So, yeah, this is, this is how I learned English. It was like, a, I don't want to say like a miracle, but I put myself in the position. There was some times when I was in meetings in the community health center that I was thinking like, how did I end up here? Mm. It was there when I started to see how dentistry works in the United States, they have the technology, they have the assistance, they have the treatment planning. The patients get a best dental treatment here because all the dentists that I know here, they are really smart. I never felt that in my country. I don't know if, if you felt that, Dr. Lagreca, but in Mexico, it's kind of simple to get into dental school as long as you can pay for it. But here, even though you have all the means, it's difficult to get into dental school. You have to be smart. You have to have talent. You have to have something, mm-hmm. right? It's very different and it's also very competitive, but from different perspective. I, I had actually that same feeling, which I share that sensation of everybody speaking English, not only for the speaking English around me, but for the sensation of how did I end up here? Almost like a little bit imposter syndrome of they're going to come and find me and take me out. Like, oh, we made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let me put you out Correct. of this. Yeah. And, and I live with that feeling for the first year or two that I was at school because of that sensation of everybody here is just so smart. Not that I felt that we were not in my country, but it was the same in dental school in Venezuela. You just have to give one exam. I went to a public school, so it was more competitive, but there are private dental schools that you just have to basically pay. So if you pay, you are in. Versus here that even though you pay, still it's very, very competitive to to find a spot. So let me just circle back to how long did it happen since you actually came here, you start working on a warehouse and then you found this position as a dental assistant. Were you still working at the warehouse as you were being dental assistant or how long did it happen? It was a span of four years. I came back in 2016. I immediately took like one of those English class that you can buy on the TV ads. Mm-hmm between the soap opera <laughs> and because my mom had it, it was supposed to last for like six months. I finished it in like three weeks. Wow. So you took yeah. it intensively. I was doing that like 24 seven because at that time I didn't work in any place. So I started to work in that warehouse. And then there was a guy who was able to understand me. And after two or three years, I was like, hey, how come were you able to understand and nobody else was able to do that? He was like, well, I have like five kids. One was two, one was three, four, six, and seven. So you were talking like a kid. (laughs) I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I moved to the community health center. I was working there for like 
10, 11 months. And then I went to Texas because I was like, okay, I can communicate. I can have a conversation. I cannot be a dentist like this. Mm. I went to Texas to study something called the intensive English program for graduated people, something like that. Mm. It was for professionals who wanted to pursue a career here. So that was in Texas State University. Mm-hmm. I was studying there for like one semester and one semester was enough for me because I put myself there in the situation. I was in listening, reading, writing, everything. So I did good and I was working as a dental assistant and I was exposed to all these people, like all these international dentists coming because living in Iowa, I was alone. I was mm-hmm. only the dental assistant who was the dentist from Mexico. Mm-hmm. But when I was in, in Austin, All the assistants were international. The two dentists that I was working with, they were international. Mm -hmm. And I was like, probably he knows something that I don't know, but I don't think he works harder than I do. Mm -hmm. He did something good. If he was able to do it, I am able to do it. So in 2018, I went back to Iowa to study for the board. Because at that point, I never felt confident enough just to study for the board. Because I was like, the English barrier, it's super long. I do not remember biochemistry. I was like, no excuses. You are going to focus and study for the exam. And this is what I did. I went back to Iowa in 2018 and I studied for like six months for that exam. And then as soon as I took the exam, I had to work again because I had to support myself. And I started to work in a different factory from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. The good part about the job was the schedule because they were working two days on and two days off. In my days, off in the factory, I was working as a dental assistant in a private office. So I was pretty much working like 13 days uh, every two weeks. So I had like a one day off. Yeah. Like every other Saturday, I believe was my day off. Wow. That was intense. How long was the period? That that was intense. I was living like that for like a year mm. because I was studying for the second part. And then I was having these two jobs. So when did you knew that what were the steps to do in this country to become a dentist? Was it when you were in Texas that you started asking people or how did you became acquaintance to this information? It was mostly in Texas because at the beginning there was not a lot of information about it. And then I wasn't good at reading English, so I couldn't navigate the websites because there is a lot of information here and there, but it's hidden. Mm-hmm. So right now with the videos and the YouTube, you know, it's easier But back in 2016, it was more difficult for sure. So when I was exposed to all these internationals, all of them were like, where are you at? Did you already pass the first part or the second or you were applying to school? And I was like one guy behind. They were guiding me like, hey, you have to do this, 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 this. And then more information started to appear about the internationals, you know, on Instagram, like more people talking about it. Definitely it was a little bit more difficult than it is right now. So do you feel in any point in that process of preparation, which took you four years from the moment that you came here till the moment that you actually decided to apply, did you feel at any point that you were in a disadvantage or you felt far from the goal? And and what was in your mind to keep yourself motivated and still go after saying, I'm going to do what it takes and I'm going to apply to my dream program. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But what do you think was in your mind to keep you going? Well, my mom tells me this. Since I was little, I used to say something and I had to do it no matter what. So I remember in those great days, because I wasn't having 
a fun time. I remember that I had some like anxiety and I used to look myself in the mirror like at 4 a.m. before I used to uh, go to the factory. And you're saying like, you are going to become a doctor in the United States, no matter what. You are going to become a doctor. So while I was working in the factory, I had to work like super physically. I was like dirty, using boots. And every time that, that I was having a hard time or a rough day, or I was really tired or something that I didn't want it to do, but I had to, mm -hmm. I was thinking, take all this pain and put the energy in your goals every single time. Because when, when you're working in those like environments, you don't have to think. Mm -hmm. They don't pay you to think. So I was doing a lot of like repetitive work. And all the time I was thinking like, I cannot do this anymore. I have to get into school no matter what. The more pain I had in my life, the more like energy I was directing through my goal. Yeah, that's nice because I feel a lot of people feel away from the goal. And when they do, they have a hard time seeing it clearly and they have a hard time pushing it forward. And they, they're afraid, you know, they're afraid of doing those type of jobs. Of course, that's something that I feel at any point when you're immigrating, there is a combination of things, right? You are an immigrant, so you're going through a phase of immigration. You're all going through a phase of a legal status, if that's the situation. And it comes later, the professional element. The professional right. element is not the element number one. You're basically becoming acquaintance to a culture, a language, and so many other elements that, of course, eventually becoming proficient in your profession is ideal, but it doesn't happen that quick. So having to experience what you did shows a lot of will and strength, you know, working in whatever it takes, doing what, whatever, as long as you could stick to your goals. And I'm curious what happened that make you feel unprepared to apply. Was it that you had several cycles so you apply only one cycle? How was the process for you of applying to a program and to choose programs? I have to tell you something. What I'm thinking right now is not what I was thinking back when I was applying mm -hmm. because I got into the second cycle and I am so grateful about it. So, for example, right now, I am so grateful for a lot of things that happened to me, bad things that I thought back then, oh, my God, why this is happening to me? I have been working so hard. So the first cycle when I was ready to apply was super late, super, super, super late. Most of the programs were already done. There was people already accepted into programs. Yeah. I applied to like four or five programs and I still got three interviews. But I was like, oh my gosh, why did I only got like three interviews? And Dr. Legreca, I was so busy like working that I went to one of the interviews without knowing what was an MMI. I was literally waiting for the airplane and I was Googling, what is an MMI interview? Of course, when you go and you are not prepared, mm -hmm. the results are not the results you're looking for. Mm -hmm. That happened in, in San Antonio. Then next interview, I go to Buffalo to the, to the bench test. Mm -hmm. I wasn't practicing enough. Why? Because I was doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I went to the bench test. I performed well but I did not deserve to be there. This is what I think right now, but back in the day, it was painful. It was like, oh my God, what this is happening to me? Mm -hmm. But now I get it. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't ready. Then I went to Rutgers. I interviewed whitelisted. It was heartbreaking, but that only gave me like more energy because every time something bad happens to me, 
I have to go to sleep, sleep like seven, eight hours. The next day, I have a different mindset. I am like, yesterday, I felt kind of sad because, you know, I am human. I am smiling all the day. People who are around me, they are like, Leo, you have a great personality. You are always positive. Yes, but I only have to go to rest. And the next day, I am going to direct all that pain to, to my goal. Mm-hmm. The second cycle, I was like, I don't want to live here in Iowa, like working in this job. So I applied to like 15 programs. And then I was being more prepared. I took my time. I read books about how to write a statement letter. I was paying to people to show me how to put my CV in a better way. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of mock interviews. I prepared myself. I even bought the loops for the bench test. Mm. Even though COVID happened, all the interviews were online. I didn't need them, but still I had the loops. I was ready. I had all the mannequins. So I learned by my mistakes. I learned because I was so unprepared during my first cycle that in the second cycle, I was so prepared that I was like, there is no way that 15 programs are going to say no to me. Mm-hmm. And as I remember, I got like 11 interviews, but I only interviewed in two universities. Why? So what happened is uh, UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago, mm-hmm. those were the ones sending first invitation. Because my interview was super early. You know, the cycle opens in like March. Mm -hmm. And then usually you start to hear back from the universities, probably early May, all the way to November, Mm -hmm. December. So in UIC, they sent me an invitation to my interview in like mid of May. So by the beginning of June, I was already accepted. At that moment, I was like, oh boy, I spent a lot of money in applications and I already got into a program. Mm-hmm. And then every time one application was coming, I was just like, what is better? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to spend my day just in an interview mm-hmm. because I was still working. I was saving for a school. To me, getting an interview was sometimes paying like a supplemental fee and don't going to work, giving up like those $200 that, that I was like, I am going to need them because I am going to the school. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, X university against UIC. No, UIC. This university against UIC. No, UIC. And I would like to emphasize here because the only reason I applied to Michigan is because it was cheap. The supplemental application for Michigan was like $50. And there was other universities, probably like 150 or 200. Mm-hmm. I was like, Michigan is so cheap. It's my dream school. When I was studying for the boards, I had the Michigan logo on the wall because I was like, I want to get there. I want to get there. But what happened, Dr. LaGreca, I am super open about it. And I really want people who know this about me. I felt the second board. I felt the second board. And again, when that happened, I was so frustrated. I was so sad. I had a lot of self-doubt about me. I thought to go back to Mexico. But now I am so grateful that I felt that because a lot of good things happened from there. Like what, for example? So, for example, when, when I when I failed the second board, I was like, okay, there is no way they are going to take me. My GPA is not the greatest. I don't have any research. Probably my TOEFL is not going to be great. I have to be a better applicant. And then I started the YouTube channel. Now the YouTube channel, it's really serious. And I created a huge impact in a lot of dental students in back in my country, Mexico, and a lot of students in Latin America in general. So a lot of people are benefit out of my mistake. A lot of people are getting something beneficial from me only because I fail. Mm. Because when you have everything easy, you are not hungry. You have to be hungry. I am trying to adopt that mindset. Everything 
that something difficult happened to me, I am trying to see how I am going to overcome this and how I am going to turn the coin around. Mm-hmm. What I am going to learn from this. Yes. So I am, I am trying to develop this and I believe I develop a lot of resilience only by reading about other people. So for example, my favorite book is Men's Searching for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And every time that I was like in a really difficult time, I was like, Leo, you are not a Jewish um, doctor in World War II. You are fine. You are not going to die. You are healthy. You have food. You have shelter. Mm-hmm. Outside is super cold, but here I am. I have a home. And then I started to read about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. And the guy was uh, working out five hours and then he was working in construction and then he was going to college to learn English. The guy was a workaholic. Then I was reading about Annie Frank. She was in a house without like food for like three, four years. And then I started to think about all these people who have been through life, having all these difficulties. And I was just fine. I mean, I was not getting into school only one year and that's it. It's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. I want to get back to your application process and then yeah. when do you go to school? But so the YouTube channel was born in that year after your first cycle that you didn't get accepted? Yeah. Now that I think back, it was super crazy mm-hmm. because when I was learning English, I was learning English in YouTube. I was watching Casey Neistat. I don't know if you're familiar. It's like mm-hmm. a, a daily YouTuber, like a super cinematographic. And then I was watching Gary Vaynerchuk Mm. and he was saying all the time, you have to create content. You have to tell your story. And then when I felt that I was like, okay, so I just wanted to start a YouTube channel. I am going to talk about dentistry because when I learned English, the whole world opened in front of my eyes. I don't know, Dr. Legrecape, that happened to you, but all the information that I have for me only speaking Spanish, it was super small. And then when I learned English, the amount of information that I had in my fingertips, it was incredible. So I was like, why no one is teaching dentistry in YouTube? Like for real, when I was studying for the boards, mm-hmm. I was watching the videos in English and probably 7, 8 p.m. My brain was so tired. I used to feel my brain like almost exploding. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I am going to chill. I am going to switch to Spanish. And I was trying to look for videos like classification of black or mm-hmm. any topic in Spanish. And there was any videos. Nothing. I was able to find like one or two videos and those videos were really low quality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I am going to combine, tell my story. I am going to combine creating videos. I am going to create dental education. And this is how I started. I was coming out of work at 5.30 PM. I used to spend dinner with my family and from seven to nine, I was YouTubing how to edit videos. It was like that for like two months. So you basically edited all, you trained yourself on YouTube to edit your videos. Listen, Dr. Greca, I trained myself how to create a video, how to re- record a video, how to edit it, how to use YouTube while I was working 75 hours a week. And then I decided to do a podcast after that. Mm-hmm. It was two jobs, YouTube, podcast. I don't even know why I did it. Oh, actually, I was listening about uh, Miguel Ortiz. Mm-hmm. He used to say that when the pandemic happened, people used to think, oh, Miguel Ortiz, you are really busy. And he was like, no, I'm not. Before the pandemic, I was working this amount of hours. I was flying because I had my courses and everything. I was working like 105 hours a week. I was like, if he can work 105 hours a week, I can do that. 
-hmm. probably 75 are are going to be in the factory. 75 are going to be as a dental assistant, which I do not love, to be honest. I did not love to be an assistant, but I have 30 hours a week just to do what I want. Mm. So to me, be sitting in the computer following tutorials about Final Cut Pro, to me, that is what I wanted to do. And this is why you are able to do things that other people seem possible. It's because if you are passionate about it, it's not hard to do things. Absolutely. Why do you say that you didn't like being a dental assistant? Or I guess, what did you learn and what were the pros and cons of being a dental assistant? What would you say from that experience? After working for years, three and a half as a dental assistant, you start to get bored, especially because uh, the places that I was working in was more like a bread and butter dentistry. Mm-hmm. So probably the first six months, it was a good experience. I was learning a lot about the American dental culture, about the procedures here, materials here. But then it was repetitive. I was all the time like hungry about learning new things. I wasn't learning new things. And I was just so eager to get into school that I was like, oh my God, I am here working as a dental assistant while I am dreaming to be a doctor. So it was really difficult in that aspect. Mm -hmm. And being an assistant, to be honest, is really hard. Sometimes I am doing dentistry and I am like, gosh, this is easier than being an assistant because being an assistant, you have to be here and there and there. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be like paying a lot of attention just to see what the doctor needs, Mm -hmm. what the doctor wants, what the doctor is going to do next. So sometimes 50% of the times I feel like being a dental assistant is harder and you need to think like more because when you are doing like a feeling, sometimes I found myself like in in an auto mode. Mm -hmm. I am just working here, there, even I am talking to the patients in auto mode. Mm -hmm. But when you are an assistant, you cannot do that. You have to be like all the time alert. And then you have to perform a lot of tasks outside the dental chair. That's why I didn't like it. Mm, Especially because when I was in in the community health center, I had to deal a lot with insurances. And I am not a huge fan of insurances, but I had to do it. On the other side, the good thing about being an assistant is, of course, my application was really strong because of that. I was working in three different places and those three places, all the dentists, I ended up having a good relationship with them and they were like super nice with me. And of course, all of them, they wrote a recommendation letter to me and I left that position because I had to move on. That's definitely one of the advantages. If you want to have a strong application, definitely something that you have to take a look at because it's going to make your application look better only because you understand the American system. And I was able to understand how dentistry works in this country for sure. Absolutely. Let's actually touch base on that point of how to make an application strong. Do you feel that that's what it makes yours the strongest? And what else do you feel people can do, especially people, let's say, coming from Mexico that have a similar background than yours? What do you think are some of the things that people can do or the things that you did to improve your application? So as I told you before, my application was completely different in the first cycle and in the second cycle. So the second time I was actually putting all the information in like more organized fashion. So you have to actually put all your information down there, Mm -hmm. trying to arrange that stuff. Then go the next day. Oh, this doesn't look as great as yesterday. Maybe I can put this information here and maybe here. So you are going to start to tweak here and there and there. And eventually it's going to be good. But if you want to create your application in like one weekend, that won't happen. I mean, of course it will happen, but will not be affected. Mm -hmm. This is what happened to me. And then 
you have to do what you like. Because, for example, to me, I was doing the dental assistant for, of course, uh, my resume and for the money. But because I like to do the YouTube, I was putting the extra mile. I also like to help people. So there was a time that I had to drive like five hours only to do one of those Mission of Mercy, mm. the Iowa one. And actually, my parents were like, why are you driving five hours over there? And then you have to pay like hotel. Like, are they even going to pay you? And I was like, no, I just want to see what is this about? Mm. I just want to see how you can help others. Because there, as a, working in the community health center, I knew there was a lot of people who didn't have even money to get instructions. I was like, okay, I really want to take a look at it and go into those places and be genuine about your intentions. Put you in a well position. I remember a lot of doctors down there, they introduced me to the dean of the University of Iowa. Yeah. I was talking with a lot of dentists and they were not like super familiar with the internationals because, you know, Iowa is in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And all of them were like, oh, kid, 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 come here. We're going to introduce you to this doctor. We're like, really? Who is he? He's the dean of the University of Iowa. And when I was talking to him, he was like, you know, you are the first Mexican that I know is like international. I told him, I am going to apply. I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. But still, uh, that puts you in a good place to meet people who are going to be willing to help you out. Because, mm-hmm. listen, there is a lot of people who are willing to help you. You only have to find them. And the only way you are not going to find them is you sitting around in your home. They are not going to knock your door and say like, hey, do you need some help? That won't happen. Mm-hmm. You have to be genuine about your intentions. Mm-hmm. Because if you are there just to get something in return, that won't work either. I was just there and I just wanted to enjoy uh, the conversation and I just tell them, listen, I'm from Mexico. I am a doctor. Yes, do not treat me like a doctor. I have to earn it here. I'm not in Mexico. I am in the United States. Mm -hmm. So right now I want to learn from you. And they were like, okay, so take an impression. Yes, I was taking an impression. They were like, Are you willing to take feedback? Of course, give me the feedback. And now I became really good at impressions. Why? Because I was teachable. Mm -hmm. And this is a strategy that it's been working great for me. This is what I keep doing in Michigan. I usually go to a grad pros. I usually go to grad Mm period. I usually talk to people who are doing research. And because I am so teachable and I am so open to get feedback, they are just, they're helping me out. And now I am becoming like a great clinician only because I am starting to pick all these specialties. Mm-hmm. And when people know that you care and you really are interested in learning, they are going to open like their hearts and their brain for you. They will. And as you say, I like what you said, that they're not going to come and knock your door and find you because a lot of people, and this might be relevant to those that are still in their countries And they're hoping that they're going to get opportunities when they are in their countries. And it's very difficult. I think you have to be here for perhaps doing the right of five hours and going a volunteer, going and show up in certain things just to have those opportunities to network that it's not going to happen in one network activity, right? Look at all the time that it took you, all the hours you put on working and spending time Genuinely, as you said, not with the interest of obtaining something, but with the true interest of learning. But that yields back. And I think those are strategies that foreign trained dentists can do to start becoming acquaintance to the system here, but at the same time to be to become part and show who you are. And I think that strength comes out in everything you do. So the more opportunities you have to be you in the different spaces, the more chances you will have to learn that 
for sure. And because you mentioned the specialties and you mentioned talking mm. about perio and pros and not, we started the interview talking about your dream, which is or was go back to Mexico and becoming a prosthodontist. Correct. I'm just curious at the moment that you said, I'm going to apply, you learn about the advanced standing program and that was your decision at the moment. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but just for the audience a little bit to know about you. What made you decide applying for advanced standing versus applying for specialty right away? And what was in your mind when you make those decisions? Back in the day, 60% was self-doubt. 40% was like, I want to relearn dentistry with the highest quality. Let's talk about the self-doubt. When I failed the board, I was thinking that any program director would accept me in their program. Why? Because I felt it wasn't good enough. Maybe that was true. Maybe that was wrong. Because now I realize, now that I am talking to more uh, approach residents, I realize they are not perfect. They don't know everything. Mm -hmm. They are there for learn. And I had that idea back in my head. I was like, because they are pros residents, they are perfect. They know everything about pros. And that's so far from reality. Mm -hmm. So... On the other hand, I was like, I really want to get good at general dentistry because I want to be a better clinician and then become an amazing prosthodontist. Unfortunately, I mean, everyone has a different experience. When I started to study for the boards, I was like, I have a few gaps here and there. And there's a lot of people who have been telling me I have a great self-conscious about who I am and what are my weaknesses. I have been told that by uh, several doctors. Mm. And I could feel at that time, I felt that it was better for me just to get all the education back, mm. mostly because I wanted to be a better uh, clinician in general, right? Probably if I could fail the board, I could be applied to at least one or two pros programs, but I'm so happy that I ended up in an advanced standing program. I am extremely happy about it. Because I know for me, it's going to be easier to become a good prosthodontist because I am starting to understand a lot of things that I couldn't understand at the beginning. Maybe it was because my education wasn't that amazing or maybe because I was so young to understand that because I was learning a lot of like important information when I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And of course, that plays a big role. And now I am so mature that I am paying so much attention about uh, these small details, but those details are extremely basic. So for example, I mentioned perio. I never experienced the perio how I am experiencing here because when I go to the uh, grad perio, it's amazing. They are doing all these amazing procedures and they are so passionate. They are doing research. And I never had that opportunity in my country. Before this, I used to think perio cleanings. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, SRP. Now I cannot see pros without perio. Mm -hmm. I even I have even thinking myself like maybe I should go to perio after pros, mm -hmm. or maybe I should start to do a perio pros because I understand how important is this too. And someone said in your podcast, you don't know what you don't know. Now I know a lot of things that I didn't know. And I am so eager to learn new things that I don't know yet. Yes. I'm extremely eager about that. And of course, it's like two and a half years to do the international, but I am enjoying every single day. So living in Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor is like a mm -hmm. 70,000 uh, small town. I am having the time of my life. I feel like 
I am having a lot of classmates. We are somehow creating like our small family and a grad process is the same, mm -hmm. but there's like four or five people and that's it. Yeah. How large is the class in Michigan? 130 with the internationals. Okay. How many of the inter are the internationals? 20. Okay. And you're completely integrated with the dental students? Completely. 100%. We are just mixed in the clinics and there is no distinction unless you say, hey, I am an international. And, and actually, I don't like to say I am an international mm. to the professor because I just want to be teachable. Mm. I don't want them to think I know what I am doing. I'd rather ask and learn and maybe learn something that I didn't know before because this is why they are there, right? Of course, I did not apply because I wasn't confident enough. Dr. Algoreca, right now, I am 100% confident that I can look in the eyes to any program director in this country, in the pros program and say, I am an amazing applicant. I might not know everything, but I have the attitude. I have the energy. I am teachable. And most importantly, you are not going to regret to take me to your program. I have the confidence. If you don't have confidence, you don't have anything. And that's, that's the most difficult part to build because if you don't believe it, they are going to know it. Mm -hmm. If you believe it from the bottom of your heart, they are going to know it. And they are going to be like, all right, Leo, you sold me. You mm -hmm. are here. Interesting you mentioned that because the confidence is something that takes experiences to build, right? Some people are overconfident by nature or they, they just not say overconfident, just more confident than others by nature. When you experience certain things in life that either defeat you or lower your expectations about yourself or affect your ego, which I, I share when, when I took part one as well that I failed. And I've shared that in the podcast before. It's really emotionally defeating. So it's difficult to rebuild that trust again. But once you take certain steps, and I think every effort, every sacrifice you did, and also having a little bit more maturity helps you to be in a better place. And something that you probably experienced with the Dallas students here different to in many other countries, especially in Latin America and Mexico and Central America, is that we go to dental school very young. So you said we right. learn a lot of important information and we're only like 18 or yeah. 19. So we don't even know exactly what the future of our life is going to be here. Although, yes, college adds an extra cost and extra time, etc. It also brings you into dental school more mature. People start dental school, they're 23 and means that they might graduate and they are, some of them are in their 30s. So that actually brings an element that I think is very important, which is being mature enough to understand the value of the education you're receiving, to understand the value of how would that picture in your life. And I Correct. think that timing information, it's very important. Not only the information, maybe you actually did receive the information. Maybe I received the information when I was in dental school in a different perspective, but we were not ready yet. To, to learn. I completely agree with that. I would like to go back to what you say about all the struggles we have. Have you ever heard about resilience mm -hmm. and about entropy? Entropy? No. Okay. There is one TED talk that changed my life, changed my perspective. And this is in Spanish. It's by Diego Dreyfus. He talks about entropy. Entropy is the amount of chaos in the universe. So, Let's suppose in your universe, there is a lot of entropy. You only have two options and two options only. First option, you have to transform yourself to withstand the entropy. If that happens, you are going to learn. And then the same amount of chaos will not defeat you. 
because you already grow. And the second option, the entropy is going to break you. Those are the only two options, binary. You are or you are not. So I feel that I already created like a huge entropy tolerance mm. for all my experiences in life. And, and you mentioned about uh, confidence. I know pros is, is difficult. I know you have to be there from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., maybe five days a week and weekends. I already know, but I already have perspective. I have something to compare against with. For example, I am going to be doing that. And then I am going to think, Leo, remember you were working 75 hours a week in a factory, in a factory, doing a lot of physical work. And then I'm going to be fine. Funny enough, let me tell you something. It was probably three weeks ago. I was so tired because it was my first day after vacation mm -hmm. and I didn't have any breakfast and probably it was like three or four p.m. And I was in a, such a bad mood. I was really in a bad mood. And then I was in a chair right in the corner with big windows. And because in the university right now, there is a lot of constructions. I saw a construction worker walking. He looked defeated. He looked tired. He looked hopeless. And I was like, that was me. I completely was able to feel empathy because he was wearing the helmet. He was wearing the boots. He was wearing the vest. And I was in that position. Not in construction, but I was in the same position. And I was wearing the dental loops. I was like, Leo, why are you even complaining about? Like, come on, you are doing what you love. You are in the spot where you were dreaming for like five years and you are complaining. Come on, dude. And then everything changed. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have a lot of perspective. And that's why I am so confident about I can do whatever I want. I learned to edit in YouTube. I learned English almost in YouTube. I was working as a dental assistant interpreter without knowing English. Mm -hmm. So all the good things that happened in my life, it's because one day I said, I will do it. I can do it. I did it. Done. That's it. So, I mean, to me, it's really hard to relate with people who thinks everything is impossible or everything is against them. I cannot relate to Dr. Telegreca. And if I can help them just to say like, hey, I'm not perfect. I wasn't the first in my class, but I only do one thing and that's work hard, work hard and do not leave my dreams die. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's actually the strongest thing right there. It's do not let your dreams die. You know how many people walk around and live life putting their dreams aside, either because of fear or let's just say, Fear, because it could either be fear of failure, fear of being defeated, fear of the hard work. And it's not easy. It's easy to say that done, that you work 75 hours a week, but it actually represents a lot, right? It represents putting yourself in very uncomfortable situations for quite some time, unpredictable time, right? You didn't know how long you'll have to do that. It's not like you knew, I'm going to do this for a year and then I know I'm going to be all set. It took you five years before I actually get to a university and get into a program, even though, let's just say for some people, maybe the immigration status, it might take them five years to get a green card so they could actually access to a loan, which I know that we have spoken in the past, but mm -hmm. for those wondering, of course, how to study here, they get afraid. Oh, I'm going to get a loan and how I'm going to pay it and I don't have the money to get a loan which is just getting in the mentality of how people study here. You're Correct. now in dental school. 
with 100 plus dental students, how many of them pay out of pocket for dental school? Is the minority, I guess. They're very, very I, I, minority. I only know like three or four. Out of the whole class, correct. The rest, everybody gets loans, right? It's just part of the system. You can find all the excuses to separate you from your dream. That's very easy. What is difficult is to work hard for them and keeping them here in the forehead as a reminder all the time and as a way of getting closer to who you really want to be. And, And I guess I don't necessarily like always asking this question because you said already before, you learn from your mistakes, everything that, you have done, had thought you something or resulted on something. But if you could go back in time and maybe just to give a piece of advice to those that are listening, do you think you could have done anything different? Would anything have saved you time in terms of your preparation? Or will there be anything at all that you felt, okay, go back, Leo, like, don't do this, do that? Not really. Not really, because all the bad decisions ended up in bad results. All the bad results ended up in me getting more stronger when it comes to entropy, when it comes to uh, tolerate more pain in my life, right? I have been thinking this a lot, like what if my parents would be able to send me to like a private school and I could knew English before coming here? Probably I couldn't be as angry as I am right now, probably. What if I couldn't have the need to go to work? I couldn't be as angry as I am right now. What if... What if, what if? I don't like to live there. Why? I know that every bad decision is leading me to something good because I am smart enough just to take it into the right way. What I was feeling that something was wrong and why me, in the future, I understand why. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely anything in my life that I would regret, either good or bad. I am so grateful for what has been happening to me I feel like I am the most blessed guy in the whole university. I am so grateful for where I am at. I am so grateful for what happened to me. And I am so grateful that I am enjoying every single day at the fullest. I'm so happy. I am happy from the bottom of my heart with all my mistakes, with all my successes, with everything that is happening to me, either good or bad. So for example, today I had two patients. The first patient was something that I wasn't expecting. A lot of people could be complaining about what happened. I was like, this is a great opportunity to learn. I was able to discuss the treatment plan with the pros and restore it. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. I was so busy. I came home at 5 p.m. I have to go back to school right now because tomorrow I have a pickup uh, t-shirt and then I have to bring the, the t-shirts and then I have to edit the video right now before I go to the bed. Mm-hmm. I have to review some literature and a lot of people would be like, oh, you are really busy. And I am like, yeah, maybe, but I'm so happy because I am doing what I want. And this is at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If you are doing what you want, it doesn't matter if you are doing it 18 hours a day. If you are doing what you don't like, it doesn't matter if it's only one or two hours, you are going to simply don't like it and complain about it. That's actually a great message. And I want to thank you, Leo, for sharing openly and humbly what your experiences have been because and we talked about this at the beginning many times we feel the goal is so far and the reason why I thought that you would be the perfect fit for the podcast is because you could really show not only the light of the end of the tunnel but you could actually be the person that people can relate to the most you know how many people reach out to me with all of the obstacles 
Oh, yeah. I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have anybody to help me. I don't have volunteer. I don't, I don't, I don't. Or the sad part element related with failure. And I feel it all comes back to you. Who are you in your heart? Who are you in your brain? Where do you direct your energy and the things that you want to achieve? And then how committed you are to your goals. And as you said, you you did what it took and you were not scared of working. You were not scared of sacrifices. But I want you to have the last minutes of the interview to close with a piece of advice. If you could share a piece of advice to an international dentist, maybe to your friends that are in Mexico wanting to come here, that they reach out to you all the time asking you, what mm -hmm. should I do? What would be that piece of advice that you'll give to the international dentists out there wanting to come to the United States? Well, the first piece of advice, it would be clear your mind. Let's talk about numbers. Every year, there are 500 and something international students getting into a program. Okay, this is your first year of application. Maybe your application is not great. They are going to take the most competitive 500. The next year, competition is going to be easier. They already took the 500. And then you are going to have the experience of the failure. If you're smart enough, you're going to learn. If you are not smart, you're going to complain. Nobody likes people who complain. Nobody. Maybe your mom, maybe your that they're going to listen to you but nobody else is going to listen to you if you're complaining that's the truth reality mm -hmm. right if you're smart you are going to learn you're going to prepare a better cv you are going to have better experience you are going to do research maybe volunteer maybe work harder you're going to become a better applicant that doesn't happen in the second year oh my god is that the end of the world no absolutely no you have one more year to prepare your application And the most important question that I would like them to answer from, for themselves is, how bad do I want this? Because, oh boy, if you don't want this that bad, you're going to have a really hard time. And at the end of the day, you have to be honest with you. As I told you before, Dr. LaGreca, every single time in my great days, not even great, in my dark days, when I was having anxiety, I was brushing my teeth Look at me in the mirror and just repeating over and over and over. You are going to be a doctor in the United States, period. Look at me now. I wanted it that bad. The piece of advice that I have is just to be honest with yourself. If you really want it, you are going to get it. Why? Because you are willing to work hard. If you kind of want it, you probably won't get it. That's the reality. This is how the world works. You are not putting the amount of time and work that is necessary. And of course, a miracle doesn't happen, at least not when it comes to dental school. Those are great, great pieces of advice. And I'm sure those listening to this interview will get not only this advice, but all of the ones that you share. And I just want to say one more time, Leo, thank you. Because we tend to forget that at the end, it all goes back to us, our willingness, yeah. our efforts and our commitment, our commitment towards excellence, our commitment towards learning, our commitment towards getting out of an uncomfortable situation that many we have been through as we leave our countries and it doesn't get easier, we get stronger. Thank you again for your time, for your insights. 
And I wish you the best. Maybe by the next time when we do the second part of this interview, you're going to be in profs. So we might be talking about that because we're going sure. to be colleagues. Yes. Remember what I'm telling you, Dr. LaGreca. We are going to be colleagues only because I am willing to put the effort and the time and the hard work. And I'm so pumped about it. I'm so excited about this cycle. Yes, yes, you will. I'm excited for you. And I wish you all the best. Thank you again for your time you. and best of luck of everything. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. I would love to hear how this conversation inspired and empowered your journey. Leave me a comment on iTunes, subscribe, and join me in my next episode of the International Dentist Podcast. And remember, I am always here for you.